you and me have been banging on now for like, I don't know, three and a half years about, um, you know, around anyways and about uh, the 1970s uh, and about the sort of like political economic bedrock for this era that we, I guess, called neoliberalism now or whatever. But we've also been, I think, we see now vindicated you and I because looking at the 1970s uh, was specifically for us an ability to look at a turbulent point in American history not that long ago the, the time of our parents and our grandparents when something which is called like the post-war economic order or you could call it the New Deal consensus you could call it erroneously but you could call it like Keynesianism whatever it is that you would want to call it fell away and something new arose and we've been saying for years now and I think that we're right that we're in a very similar moment of economic turmoil and political turmoil certainly we've seen that fucking more and more this inability this impasse of the system to be able to do anything about these severe crises that we're in and yet and yet and this is where it gets interesting is that i got the feeling when we first started talking about this shit years back that something was going to break that something was going to give that this like long this long slow decline of a certain type of political economy was going to give rise to some sort of chaotic counter-systemic social and political force that was going to force an end to the way that we've been living for the last 40 or 50 years, but it hasn't happened, which is fascinating. We sit here at this tumultuous moment in history, at the end of a systemic cycle of accumulation, and yet there's no possible way past it. We are stuck right now. And I think that's the fascinating thing about this moment in time is that everything has to change, but nothing will. And it is a precise mirror of the incapacity of the state of planners of rulers, right? They can't do anything because the only button they have is the liquidity button. It's the liquidity. The, 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 there's already a, a, a brick on the accelerator. We cannot flood any more gas into the engine. And there's nothing else to be done from their perspective. But also, as people, as workers, if we are that, as, as citizens of whatever country or planet we think we are on uh, or of, we can't do anything either, and for the same reason, because the same process that has stripped a, the political machinery of any uh, initiative and made it unable to do anything other than uh, simply prov provide a uh, a context for endless speculation uh, for finance capital, which because we've so overstripped our our fixed our connection to any material economy, because the whole thing ground to a halt in the seventies. Uh, that that same process that has stripped the uh, political figures and even uh, captains of industry of agency has also stripped us of agency because we have spent the intervening years since the 70s in this increasingly spectacleized, polarized uh, political and, uh, and alienated political environment where the rational decision is to stop paying attention to politics, the irrational, neurotic, uh, over-socialized decision that most comf relatively comfortable Americans, middle class and up, make is to keep paying attention and to pay more attention to care more, uh, but with less and less place to meaningfully put that energy other than a sterile spectacle of culture war that has not changed in 40 years and can't change. And it's the same thing and will always be the same thing. But so that means that in a moment of crisis, once again occurring, there is nothing for any of us to imagine ourselves uh, participating in that could challenge the moment. All we can do is vote harder on a fantasy of either Democrat or Republican deliverance when neither one of them can change anything because it is that it is all part of one system that has fully assimilated everything uh, and is now without any pub, uh, 
any either discretionary or democratic uh, resistance to its imperative, which is now reached a terminal crisis point. Yeah, for sure. Like you say terminal crisis, and that's really apt because the kind of rubric that, you know, I've been and we've been thinking about this in terms of is what uh, Nikolai Bukharin back 100 years ago called punctuated. Uh, the I'm goat. sorry, Bukharin's yeah. my guy. Yeah. Say, I mean, Bukharin's great because he he was both he was left opposition and right opposition. He was like the centrist. <laughs> well, no, but the thing is, he was left and he was right from the same undergirding principles, yeah, exactly. the undergirding understanding that none of the other ones could admit to, which is that the revolution can't be in Russia. It can't start in Russia. It cannot be national. That means in 1918, you've got to fight uh, the key. You got to keep fighting the war. Uh, but as a revolutionary war, if you don't have the ability to do that, and Lenin was right, they didn't have the ability to do that. Well, then you got to make a deal with the kulaks. You got to make a deal with the peasantry. You have to do that because he, what he understood, and and he'll be called a revisionist to the end of time for this. As even though, as you said, he's he's arguing from the Stop same position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like he had this theory of punctuated equilibrium, and that's what we're talking about here. Which is that, and this was heretical, but I think he he took like a deep analysis of Marx's mature political political economy and combined it with like an important sort of research into just like economics or sociology or whatever you want to call the bourgeois science. And he came and he said, like, there's these crisis points. Right. And they were in one in, in that period. There are these crisis points where everything turns turbulent. But then capital has this way of rewriting itself but not rewriting itself, but writing itself again. Yeah. So that like the history of capital isn't, there isn't some terminal crisis out there. What there is are these moments of chaos out of which capital reinvents itself and continues. And so that matches great with uh, Giovanni Arrighi's conception in the long 20th century of these systemic cycles of accumulation. He calls it, he, Arrighi says in the, in the 1980s that uh, the 1970s was a signal crisis for capitalism and that eventually there would be a terminal crisis that arose and he was right about that our terminal crisis of the neoliberal systemic cycle of accumulation happened in 2008 yep. but the problem is and this is central is that the difference between the 1970s and 2008 to present is that there was for capital an antagonistic social force called the working class that was organized, not just politically, but at the point of production that could act as a foil and also that could be smashed and destroyed. That was a counterweight to capital's power that it recognized. It recognized its opposite within that. Now, with the working class having been so defeated, the capitalist class itself can't even reform anything because they have all the power and their own self-interest means that they can't, for example, raise interest rates because there's zombie corporations everywhere. And if they can't borrow enough money to cover their debts, they're going to fall apart. The capitalist class has so much power over politics that actually solving the crisis that we're in right now would mean that the capitalist class would have to take a hit and they're not going to do it, of course. And there is no antagonistic counter systemic social force out there, i.e. the working class to force capital to do what it has to do in order to make itself whole. This is the fundamental uh, fantasy at the heart of, of the liberal idea of of. The, the liberal notion of, uh, of governance, the liberal notion of social order. The liberal notion of social order is premised on the idea that humans are in some fundamental way limited by an internal, uh, sort of con whatever you want to call it, a conscious understanding uh, that prevents them from acting uh, against, like, 
abstract conceptions of uh, the state and, and, and freedom and liberty and virtue. There are self-regulators, not of everybody, of course, but those who through deliberate democratic processes of uh, election and, and, and power uh, are selected for it. And so at, at a crisis moment like the one we're in, people will realize what's going on and change their actions. Like Joe Biden said before the election over and over again, if I win, the dam will break. The Republicans' fever will break. They'll all have a moment of clarity and realization. And that's what liberal liberalism is premised on. What, what uh, the good old historical dialectic will tell you, what materialism will tell you, is that it doesn't fucking matter what any individual wants in any abstract sense. A system does not... Uh, select for your discretion. It selects for your willingness to do the thing that it has designed f- uh, the situation for you to carry out. We are just, uh, uh, as humans, we are just bodies between nodes of... Uh, yes, we are literally bodies and spaces. If we won't do it, if we as individuals, the liberally conceived individual in a position of power, if they won't do something because they believe it violates an understanding of liberty, uh, America, whatever whatever abstract notions they have, they will be replaced by somebody who will do it. Right. And if that is if that is the determining factor of who, who wields power, then it can only move in the direction that the algorithm demands, right. which is sur- profit accumulation. It is only and ever a machine to make profit. It has always been that, but in previous generations, there were, uh, there was not, there was insufficient technological uh, power. Essentially, there was, there humans needed to be in more positions of meaningful authority for the for the thing to carry itself out, and those humans acted like humans. Over time, though, technology does the things that humans used to do, and you don't need humans to do them. Literally, the productive forces. It's the, like it is Skynet. Becoming self-aware. James Cameron, one of the great uh, visionaries of American cinema, his notion of Skynet really is uh, a perfect metaphor for capitalism because at a certain point we are extraneous to the process. And I don't know how anyone can look at an economy that is the size of ours, that is determined by the number of discrete decisions that are put into algorithms and are left to machines. I mean, at this point, at the leading edge of uh, financial uh, the services, like your Goldman Sachs, they're literally making trades before they happen. Like, they have figured out a way to, to make money by trading before trades occur, by, pre, by traveling through time. By precogging it. They have precog... <laughs> in, that, in that world, where is there a role for discrete human action? You're there to fucking be meat in a chair and to, and to press a button and to fucking send an email. 